The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, to uh, the second half of this week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program featuring our roundtable regulars, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. Always good to be here. And uh, on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back. Thank you. And it's always uh, a, a treat when uh, we're joined by Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley. Wood, welcome back as well. Thank you very much. Okay, as we uh, move on to some of the uh, state headlines, uh, the Michigan Court of Appeals on, on uh, Friday reversed a lower court ruling that said late arriving ballots must be counted as long as they are postmarked the day before Election Day. The Republican-controlled legislature had appealed the September ruling by Michigan Court of Claims Judge Cynthia Stevens that said ballots postmarked before Election Day could arrive as much as 14 days late and still be counted. On Friday, a three-judge panel of the Court of Appeals ruled unanimously in favor of the House and Senate in the case involving the union-backed Michigan Alliance for Retired Americans. Should Election Day be the cutoff for collecting ballots for counting? Hmm. What I is the current so. practice? G- g- given what's going on with the post office, I'd like to see a little leeway, although maybe 14 right. days is a bit right. long. Historically, what is the current practice? Well, it historically, it's been all the ballots must be received by 8 p.m. on Election Day. That's yeah, my understanding. Yeah. Yeah, there are some laws or policies or rules that must be changed before you do that. You know, what's, Otherwise, what strikes we're me about working this beyond the scope of government. What strikes me about this is that this must be making the the, the, the election clerks crazy when they got the changing rules, you know, yeah. weeks and you know a week or two before the election. I mean, I, 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 th- what I'd like to see is a clear set of rules set down with plenty of time for people to prepare for these things. But when you've got these rules changing almost at the last minute it's really got to be 
chaotic for local election clerks to handle this kind of stuff. And that, and unfortunately, that may undermine, you know, the counting and the trust in the election and a lot of other things like that. So that worries me more than anything else. I, 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 I have no idea, no problem with with waiting a few days afterwards. But it'd be nice if it was clear ahead of time rather than wait the last minute. Well, I, I just, agree with you. It it it, it seems like. Um, you know we've we've made these changes people can vote early they can vote by mail and now we want to push the the deadline forward you know what's wrong with just saying election day is the cutoff the stuff's got to be there by <laughs> then agree. and if you know if you're concerned that the post office uh, you know has gone back yeah. to the pony express and it's running a little slow um, vote that much earlier or drop your stuff off at the clerk's office or at a drop box. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that we, you know, if, if we put it 14 days out, then 14 days out is going to be the new election day. Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't know if 14 days is, is a, you know, a realistic cutoff or, or whatever, but, but I don't think election day, is necessarily you think about the folks who are uh in international locations and they're voting um and and so i you know there are just some practical considerations and i know that we um whatever the the current um rule is that that's 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 been in, in place but this is one of those deals that and and, and I, I'm hesitant to, to mention, you know, the recent kind of issues with the Postal uh, Service, but that is a consideration as um, as well. Fourteen days seem to be a bit much, but uh, saying that it has to arrive by Election Day. You know, uh, I... Postmark, I, 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 I think, is what, what the rule is. But, you know, I, I think uh, there was... Uh, in the in the Constitution, when they started this process, they had opening and closing times. They had a, and that's what was law. That's what people expected. But if you're going to each state or each community is going to devise something different, then we'll never have a uniform election process system. There will always be something wrong with it. You know. So uh, yeah, I, I, th I think we're, we're we're learning a lot with, with this mail-in voting. We're we're doing this in a big way for the first time this year, and I think in many ways it's a good idea for for a lot of reasons. But I think we're still working out the kinks about exactly how the mechanics of it all work. I right. if, if we keep doing this, I, I'm I, I'm confident that in next election or two down the road, it'll be a much smoother process. And you got to remember that the the internet and the uh, computer has made much made things much easier. That's and yet true. there are some of us who are still resisting it rather than letting it come together because eventually it's going to be the order of the day when young people step in and they're going to say, this is how we're going to do it. The past is gone. You mean just writing down the names of people I want to win and, and sticking it in the box doesn't work anymore? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to use their computers and do it that way. <laughs> well, 51 of Michigan's largest cities will take advantage of a new law and start processing, not counting, absentee ballots ahead of Election Day. Some big cities in uh, Metro Detroit 
chose not to participate. Uh, the decision by some of these cities means they will not get a head start on preparing more than 100,000 absentee ballots to be counted on November 3rd, potentially further delaying final results that are already expected to come well past the time polls close. When do you think election results will be announced? I'm thinking well, before, the, 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 I'm, the, the, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. No, no. I was going. I'm just going to pull a number out of the air. I'm going to say 48 hours later, we're going to hear the final stuff. But I mean, we'll we'll hear some stuff by the 11 o'clock news on election night. But I suspect within 48 hours or so, we should have nearly everything nailed down. I hope. I hope you're right, Paul. I hope you're right because these delays suggest anarchy. And then if you leave a va something in a, va in a vacuum, something will fill that. And there are people out there that's uh, willing to drive those causes. We should get this as soon as possible to uh, maintain the steady state that we had for, for years, for 240 years, of getting the votes in the ballot and counting them and letting the winner know that he or she is well, my main concern is that it, those delays may cause may, may lead to distrust in the whole elective process. Well, that's, that's, that's what will drive the anarchist. Well, Nobody yeah. else will drive them. Yeah. I think what we're going to see I, I, is on election night. I think the major uh, television outlets are going to be calling elections. Right. Right. Based on exit polls. Right. Projections. Yeah. Sure. I, I and, and Tom, that was that was the point I was going to make. I think that that we're going to know some very significant outcomes uh, on election night based on projections. But in terms of the the actual vote tally, uh, I, I, I think it's going to be beyond forty eight hours I, it, because we have a new significant element as a part of this process, which is a never-before-seen uh, significant uptick in vote-by-mail or absentee uh, voting. And um, I, just, I just think that, they're, uh, that that's going to lengthen the process. You, you just talked about, you know, just um, even though they're not able to, to count, but the, 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 the counties and, uh, and, and cities in Michigan that are prepping these are clerks who are prepping their uh, their ballots, and they're not counting, but they're prepping to try and get uh, a head start. I just I don't see how you can get a final tally uh, even within 48 hours. I just you know it'd be great if, if that could happen. You know, one other issue too is just the uh, to trying to get enough election workers. I mean, so many so many of the workers. In the past, were senior citizens who really aren't too inclined yeah, to go out there yeah. and work the elections. So, if you're bring, even if you can bring in new people, they're going to be relatively new people who haven't done this before, and you know there are going to be glitches. Yeah. Well, and yeah. we got to turn a lot more to the computer uh, developers, like Google and <clears throat> all of those who can make, who knows how to work, make this work. We you and the the young people in the future are not going to put up with this uh, di um, decadent system like we're using today. 
Well, Governor Gretchen Whitmer vetoed bills that would have made it a felony to knowingly try to apply for multiple absentee ballots or to fill out an application for others without their consent. The Democratic governor said voter fraud, such as trying to vote more than once, already is a crime, and the Republican-sponsored legislation would muddy the waters and likely confuse voters about what conduct is criminal. In a letter to lawmakers Friday, she said it is impossible to get a second ballot without spoiling the first one and cautioned that people might submit multiple applications because of memory or error. Are existing voting laws adequate? What's the Republicans' position on this? I didn't get that. I understand oh, Gretchen's position. It's a Republican bill, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's a reaction to... Basically, what I think was, um, you know, rhetoric started by the president about absentee voting and and people, you know, having 12 ballots show up at their house and, you know, all of this kind of talk. And it it caused uh, some Republicans in the legislature to put forth a bill that... um, more strictly defines whether or not a person can apply for more than one ballot or apply for ballots on behalf of someone else. And but that's not the law. The governor is saying, well, they were trying to make it a law, and the governor was saying it's already illegal to vote more than once, and uh-huh. the system is Enough set up to catch it. Why make another law? Yeah. So, yeah. Know, Remember, remember now, and just real quick in terms of history. Remember this, and this predates Trump. So I don't want to lay this entirely <laughs> at his doorstep, even though he's picked up the the, the ball and and I mean did a, I mean just a phenomenal uh, impersonation of a, um, a, a run back uh, hundred yards. But so remember that the, the, the Republicans had as a significant national strategy, and, and remember, Paul, you, you talked about this on the program as well, significant national strategy of introducing legislation, and, and these, these uh, particular bills were all cookie-cutters. At one point, yeah. there were like 38, 38 legislatures across the country that had adopted suppression bills. Now, now, Henry, you know, I know you're going to take issue. Yeah, this I know. Yeah, that's it, a political point. This, this is a fact, so you can look it up. 38. I don't know if that was the final number, but that was when I was in the legislature. These, these were not just, you know, someone doing it in Michigan or Arkansas. This was across the country. The bills read the same. And, and so this is, has Alec always group. been a part yeah. of the, the strategy to suppress, even if you didn't adopt the legislation. You would you would put out in the uh, I was on I was on a committee uh, when uh, and of course the Republicans were in the majority and and you you should have heard the 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 the, um, the language in terms of the evidence that they said existed of just widespread voter fraud and couldn't come up with but two cases of actual bro- voter right. fraud to right. support these bills so I, it, this is this is really another instance where you already have a law in place or laws in place, but in order to stay on message, and re- remember the, the, the examples that are going to be... Wood, I've got to cut you off there. 
We've got to go to uh, a short break. We'll be back with more after this. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner program is hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsi than flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Summer Program.com. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair Politics continues with Wood, uh, Woodrow Stanley joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and uh, Henry Hatter. The Commission on Presidential Debates announced on Friday the six topics for the second and final debate between President Donald Trump and Democratic nominee Joe Biden, set to take place tomorrow night. The topics are fighting COVID-19, American families, race in America, climate change, national security, and leadership. The final debate between Trump and Biden is scheduled to take place tomorrow from 9 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. Eastern in Tennessee. The format is the same as the first debate. Each segment will last about 15 minutes and the candidates will have two minutes to respond after the moderator. NBC's Kristen Welker opens each segment with a question. Welker will then use the rest of the time in the segment to uh, facilitate further discussion on the topic. One element has been added that the uh, production, the people in the production booth will mute the mic of the person not speaking during the two-minute answer. Um, do you like this format? It's a step in the right direction, I think, after the first debate, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It's called the Trump rule. Well, I don't know. You know, when we had those debates, I was hoping not for a blowout. I was hoping for something that was useful. I wanted to see some academic arguments, not just political haggling. I wanted to see Kamala Harris had some good points, and I wanted to see the vice president have some good I wanted uh, Joe Biden had some good points, and I wanted the president so we could choose between the two, not the BS that goes on that people love to hear. You know, that doesn't, that's politics. I was, I was really disgusting. disappointed in the vice presidential debate in that I sat there for... Uh, the entire time, whatever it was, 90 minutes, and, and the whole time I was waiting for a candidate to answer the question they were asked. That's true. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it took some time for them to get around to it, but, but nevertheless, I, I thought they did a good job. I, there, there was no, uh, no fighting and no... Uh, Camelot did... Uh, but they, uh, but they, they really all had their, they had their talking points, and as I say, they would just pivot. They, you know, yeah. you ask them about uh, about climate change, and it says, you know, that reminds me of the economy or foreign policy. Yeah. They go to their talking right. points. <laughs> but that's what you're taught in school. That's what you're taught when exactly. you take press classes. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They're doing exactly this where you began. When you when you when you prep for the debate, uh, answering the specific question isn't the objective. Staying on message is the objective. Whatever yeah. the question is, the answer is always going to be whatever you've been prepped on. So right, I, I don't right. give, you know, can yeah. you name all of the uh, planets? <laughs> well, yeah. uh, that's, you, you know, you start out with that answer, but then you get to uh, the message. 
yeah, yeah. But but you shouldn't you you should not uh, dishonor those people for doing that. That's what they were taught. That's this uh, process. That's a skill. You gotta good people have to be able to look through it, like like Paul and like you, uh, 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 Mayor, and like uh, Tom. You guys, we saw through that. And the thing well, is, the, my, the, the, my, mute, the mute, mute button may not change all that. It may, it may still be the, you know, pivoting to your talking points, but at least the mute button will avoid the the shouting match between the candidates. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'm I'm interested to to see if, uh, you know, after two or three questions where the president wants to interrupt uh, Vice yeah. President Biden and isn't allowed to because his mic is muted, I, I'm wondering if he'll walk out. I, You know, it's interesting, no. Tom. You, 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 apparently he walked out of the 60 Minutes um, interview recently. And and so I, I thought the same thing. Would he become so frustrated that he kicks over... Um, the speaker stand and uh, <laughs> storms out yeah. of the studio. No, I, I I learned a lot from Joe Biden. I learned a lot about his character. Joe, there's nothing wrong with Joe Biden uh, mentally. He is ready to take his position as vice president. And we were running around talking about Joe Biden is stupid and he's crazy and he's unlearned and so on and so forth. But I learned that you had a a candidate up there that's capable of standing up to the president. You know, and you don't want a weakling up there standing up to your president, and your president becomes weak, guys. What you did you learn somebody... about Trump, uh, Henry? Well, uh, Trump is Trump. <laughs> that's Trump is Trump. I think the Trump campaign Trump. slogan this year is going to be returned to normalcy, <laughs> like they had 100 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> but if you guys got my point, you would appreciate Two people standing up there and giving off good responses. Yeah, that's true. Not that's people true. one dominating the other. I don't want to see that. Well, I'm Nobody just I, I, I'm just always disappointed when I tune into a debate and what I see are stump speech snippets. Yeah, yeah. And very often they become that because they're they're trying to grasp the next morning's headlines with a with a quick zinger of some kind. Often it's been rehearsed for for days ahead of time. Well, I yeah. haven't I haven't seen any as good as the uh, as the the Reagan one. Yeah, well, you you ran a bunch of those at the end of the last uh, the previous hour. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There were no really good zingers in in either one of those debates so far. I don't think that I can remember. I I think the closest we came was uh, Kamala Harris um, scolding uh, Vice President yeah. Pence for interrupting yeah. her and you know pointing to her mouth and saying, "I'm talking." Um. Right. <laughs> that might be yes. Well, uh, you need sign language in that case. Well, Senate Majority I, I, Leader, uh, go ahead, Wood, before I move on to the next thing. No, no, no. I was just going to say it seemed that the um, the fly upstaged both uh, <laughs> Senator right. and uh, Vice <laughs> President Pence. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Pence, uh, Mr. Pence did that to show that his hair was handsome, that he was a handsome guy. <laughs> Apparently the, the fly, fly agrees. He says, look at me. <laughs> Everybody looked at the fly. They didn't see anything else. 
I, I know I used to always think I wanted to be a fly on the wall, but uh, yeah. that, that was taking it to a <laughs> whole new level. <laughs> um, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell appeared to put an end to any pre-election prospects for President Donald Trump's latest big stimulus proposal on Thursday, saying he had no plans to bring to the floor any package at $1.8 trillion or above. Trump, just a few hours prior, claimed to Fox Business's Stuart Varney that he thought there was a chance a stimulus deal could pass before the election, despite the dwindling time and uh, stalled talks. City uh, or citing uh, mounting pressure on, on House Speaker Nancy Pelosi to secure a deal to help mitigate economic fallout from the coronavirus pandemic, Trump said at some point she might very well say, Hey, look, I got to do this. He acknowledged that so far, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin has not been successful in convincing her to, a decree, uh, to agree to the GOP-preferred piecemeal approach. Who is the bigger obstruction to a White House COVID-19 relief plan, McConnell or Pelosi? Mm. Wow. <laughs> uh, McConnell did challenge the president. He said, Mr. President, you want several trillion dollars, but we're not going there. And that means that the Republicans are still running the show. In the last analysis. But okay, I suspect it's not going to reflect well on them if they don't have it by election. They have something by election day. Just, too many people yeah. are going to be hurting yeah. Interestingly, I think that I think that Pelosi and Trump could strike a bargain. Yeah, I think they McConnell, could. I think I think McConnell McConnell wants a smaller package. Yes. Pelosi wants a big package. I think Trump could um, go for a big package, but I think McConnell believes that there is going to be a significant blowback against some of his uh, targeted races. Uh, you know, you know the thing that we got to remember. We got to remember what we're doing to the dollar here, guys. And somebody has to be cognizant of that. And I believe that McConnell is cognizant of that. Like many of the other Republicans, they're afraid to death that we're going to. I don't lose understand that. what you mean, Henry. What are doing to the dollar? What do you mean? The dollar's devaluation, and the dollar's likely to be replaced, replaced by a Chinese coin. Are you talking about or the, the debt by or the, the euro? Uh, no, I'm talking about the value of the dollar. Well, if no, they don't I have the money to cover the, the national market, if there isn't, I thought you were talking about the the debt that the Republicans have run up. Yeah, the under. national debt. Well, I yeah, think. that's that's all impacts the value of the dollar. You make a good point, Henry. I think we're going to be untangling the financial implications of this COVID yeah. virus long yeah. after the virus itself is history. This can go on for years beyond. And guess what? We're going to leave our young people. Guess we're going to leave no, no, that's going to be an issue for the inability of not being able to work together and put this country back together. That's what we're going to leave them. I'm going to hand it to them. Henry, I, I thought that the Republican Party was founded on this notion, at least the modern Republican Party, a small government, and yet you yes. guys have run up. You guys have run up well, historic yeah, deficits yeah. and uh, the national. But, but you know, and, no, and, that's so, rhetoric. If, now you know. Any whole, good politician if, knows if that that's was, rhetoric. If this was Obama, if this was Obama or Clinton, 
we couldn't yeah. shut you up about the deficit. Well, I don't know. They, these are things that have to be done. <laughs> you haven't said anything Guys, about it in, in, in four years. No, I don't. I, I won't. I, I'm not going to say anything if Biden wins uh, the election either. This is the, these are the things that Americans must do in order to move the country. And who I'm not, mm -hmm. I, I'm not authoritative enough, and I don't have the vision to see where collectively the American people are going. So to, to stand up and say, well, do this or that, I can't. You, you mm -hmm. can, and there are other people that can, but I can't. Well, after hesitating to make the commitment for weeks, President Donald Trump said he would accept a peaceful transfer of power if he loses the election. But he continued to sow doubt on the election results and making baseless claims about Obama administration officials spying on his 2016 campaign in an NBC town hall on Thursday night. And in his, his exchange with NBC's Savannah Guthrie, he also made a variety of false claims about unsolicited and fraudulent ballots. Presented with the claim by his own FBI director that there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud, Trump again took a swipe at FBI Director Christopher Wray saying, Oh really? Then he's not doing a very good job. How will the president's attacks on the voting process affect the election? Well, I think the election process now got so much momentum that it's going to have little effect on it. Well, you guys can argue that's all you want to, but when, at the end of track, things will take place the way they've always taken place. My main worry is that it's going to undermine trust. I mean, if if we end up with lawsuits, well, trust will come charge, back. Charges of fraud after the election. I, I'm concerned about this. Whether or not whoever wins will be seen as legitimate, and I think we've seen a decline yeah. in the legitimacy of so many institutions that I. But there's the no way. There's no. There's no other way you can go, except except the results of the election. But this no. this this pre, uh, this forecasting. Uh, that's what creates doubt. But when I, this I think, all comes together, it will come out the way I, it ought to. I, I think that the, the, the real scary part of this, uh, uh, to your question, Tom, is what happens after the election, uh, uh, irrespective of if it's a Biden win, which I project, uh, or a Trump loss. Afterwards, you have to govern. And, yes. and if you're mm -hmm. governing in an environment where there's yep. no public confidence, that yep. is a very steep slope. Yeah. And, and, yep. well, and people can't spell the term bipartisan anymore, let alone put yep. it into action. So when, when you pull it, the, the, that rug from under and you say, hey, you know, they stole the election. The only way yeah. that I can lose this election is if they steal it. Yeah, but that's oh, only yeah. one person talking, guys. There's a system out there. There's a process. There's one person talking, but millions yeah, that's and one millions person talking. Millions. But there is a system, and the system is much bigger than one person. Well, you may the system may not be as big as you would, but it's uh, as big as Trump. Well, Wood, that right, makes right. a that makes a nice segue into this next thing. Judge Amy Coney Barrett, once confirmed, will be one of three current Supreme Court justices who assisted the legal team of then-Texas Governor George W. Bush in the Florida ballot recount battle that came down to a single vote at the Supreme Court. 
The other two from the Bush legal team were Justice Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts. The court's uh, December 12, 2000 decision cutting off Florida recounts tore apart the justices and the nation, and the case hovers in the air today as America approaches the November 3rd presidential election. Of the original nine who decided the case two decades ago, only two remain, Justices Clarence Thomas and Stephen Breyer and they were on opposite sides. Do you think the November 3rd election is headed to the Supreme Court, and does the current potential roster hint at an outcome? Only if the, only if the election is close will it go to the Supreme Court. But that's a, that's a worrisome thing, because I think if it does, that may erode trust both in the election and in the court process itself. But what do you recommend? What do you recommend to take its place? Hmm. Good <laughs> yeah. We got to accept the results just as they are. Oh, yeah. No, but, but the, the idea Or we got to put guns in the streets with boots. Yeah. That, they already do. Yeah. When you see what's yeah. happened with the, the governor's kidnapping plot, that those, those kind of things are... But we don't believe ways. that, and I don't believe it. If you're walking around with that, between your two ears, you're on the wrong track. Yeah. We have to be prepared to accept the election the way it is. There should be no other thoughts in your head. But the worrisome thing is there may be some folks who don't. That, that's the real thing. Yeah. But right. we got to just right. move on. Those people are in the, in the minority. And, and guys, don't take offense at that. <laughs> no, um, but I mean, that doesn't take many. I mean, it didn't take how many yeah. folks were part of the governor's plot. Fourteen, I think. I don't know. Yeah, yeah but it was so it wasn't a big group, but it doesn't take a lot to cause some real trouble. But we you have to go on, the, go on the go on the Southern Poverty Law Center's uh, website and uh, oh, yeah. just mull over that notion that there's just a, a handful of uh, those folks who were bearing arms and spewing certain kinds of uh, hate rhetoric. That are out there. Yeah. Just go on the southern poverty. Uh, that's what con- that's what concerns me. Uh, there are people out there just just waiting for revolution. They're waiting. Exactly. I've heard exactly. That's 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 the main. And a lot of people trust. and 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 thousands, as I said before, thousands of Black Americans can die as a result of it. Right. And, and 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 bear in mind now, unlike in you know thirty, forty, fifty years ago that if you were seeing, you know, the folks who were of the, the uh, you know, white supremacist ilk and the KKK and the like, uh, that they were the aggressors, you have a, a number of folks out there who are at the other end of this spectrum. They're not going to take that, um, you know, we shall overcome and, yeah. uh, you know, you can beat me down and I'm just going to take yeah. his ass whooping. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, so that's the... That's the environment, and, and uh, the guy with the match in his hand, his name is Donald Trump. He has well, a, a, a can of kerosene in one hand and a match in the other. Well, I don't say it's all Donald Trump. That's too far to go. We are a nation. We, we adopted all of our principles a long time ago. We, we also identified our enemies. That nothing's changed. Well, we have just a few minutes left and uh, before the break, and I, I want to go back and take care of some old business. 
Governor Gretchen Whitmer signed a bill Friday night allowing government meetings to be conducted virtually, ending several days of confusion among public bodies unsure if they could continue holding remote meetings after Whitmer's executive orders allowing them were essentially struck down by a recent state Supreme Court ruling. The new law comes after months in which many government bodies across the state, like city and township councils and school boards, have held their previously in-person public meetings entirely remotely in an effort to maintain social distancing amid the coronavirus pandemic. Should these virtual meetings be streamed publicly, making them virtually open to the public? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, It's it. If they're discussing public issues in a public place, yes. But if not, no. Well, the concern was compliance with the Open Meetings Act. Yeah, you got to be in a public place to do that. Got to uh, be in a school or and and perhaps gym. and perhaps they can continue to meet that standard by allowing the public to stream their public their their uh, online meeting. And it's got to be a meeting of the public, by the public, and for the public. It just John Doe can go out there and start something up, and it doesn't pertain to the public. So he doesn't follow the. Yeah, it's got to be the governor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be tough. I'm with you. It'd be tough for the Flint City Council if they, uh, (laughs) if they, if they made these, if they, if they made this public stream interactive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh yes. Oh, one can only, meetings go on for 12 hours now. Who knows how long they go on. <laughs> well, very, very quickly before we go to break, a pair of misdemeanor criminal violations against Owasso barber Carl Mankey for violating Governor Gretchen Whitmer's executive orders have been dropped by the Shiawassee County prosecutor. David Coleman, uh, Mankey's attorney, told M Live the Flint Journal Monday afternoon, the alleged violations were made moot by the Supreme Court's ruling against Governor Gretchen Whitmer's executive orders. Does this surprise anyone? Not too much, really. I, no. um, and, for, and I was going to say, I, in one sense, while, yeah, I, I think he was guilty of the stuff he did, I'm, I'm also don't want to make him a martyr. I, I think he would have almost liked to see this become a sensational case where he could have made himself a bit of a martyr. So, yeah, and that we talked about probably a step yeah. in the right direction. Yeah, we talked about that last week, and yeah, that would not yeah. be a good idea. Well, and and the other question, and it's kind of a legal one, and we just have about a minute and a half. Is um, did the Supreme Court's ruling make those charges moot? Well, in terms of, I think the the first month of the of, of the governor's orders were, were legal up until what April thirtieth, I think was the date. So I'm not sure exactly when the order when when Mankey yeah. and when yeah, Mankey I don't have action. the timeline. I, either, I'm not sure Paul. the time frame. I, yeah. I presume if 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 he did it before while her orders were still legitimate, then he still would be liable. But if it took place afterwards, maybe that the, the, the law is on his side. And the critical thing here is that Mankey can't get away with laws that he broke. She's got to slap his finger somehow yeah, to make I, sure that that other people are not victims uh, because of him. You know that uh, they couldn't do the same thing and get away with it. And we can't. Well, let they, him they get had away. that that big haircutting deal on the Capitol yeah. grounds sometime in the spring, as I recall. 
Yeah. Where a bunch of barbers and beauticians gave, gave haircuts on the on the, uh, the Capitol grounds. And they were giving them for free. I almost went. Yeah. <laughs> <Did you> know, <laughs> that, that had to be embarrassing to the governor. <laughs> on her property. A, they, a little bit. A little cutting bit. hair. Well, we have to uh, pause here and take a short break, but when we come back, we'll uh, have our final segment, which is always dedicated to uh, my favorite segment, the X-Files, and we have a couple of uh, interesting ones coming up. So uh, we'll take a short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hey, (laughs) this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately and with a regimen of regular 
doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone... I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's edition of Armchair Politics, The X-Files. And uh, we begin with um, Car- Carmen and Travis Long's fake house fire in their Pirates of the Caribbean Halloween display is so realistic that people keep calling 911. Uh, firefighters who responded to the Riverside residents uh, in California were so impressed with the faux blaze that they high-fived Travis Long and told him great job. Uh, now hundreds visit the house nightly for the fun of it according to uh, LA affiliate KABC. The family has taken to alerting the authorities when they turn on the fire effect. Carmen Long said that with the COVID-19 pandemic the family is glad to bring a little bit of Halloween joy for everyone. Is a fake fire display for Halloween in California as inappropriate as dressing up for Halloween in Michigan as Governor Whitmer bound and gagged? Uh, maybe so. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Yep. Good point. <laughs> Okay, a fisherman recently caught a two-headed baby shark off India's Maharashtra coast and tossed it back into the water, but not before taking photos of the rare find. A fellow fisherman, 
said, we have never seen anything like this before. Biologists checked out the images of the six-inch fish and determined it was either a spade-nose or sharp-nosed shark, according to the outlet. Two-head mutations have uh, become more common, but no one knows exactly why, National Geographic wrote in 2016. Uh, the outlet offered a few possible factors for the malformations, including pollution and a dwindling gene pool of overfishing. Still, the latest discovery is unusual, although anomalies can show up even in freshwater fish as well. A lake trout with two mouths was caught in 2019. Our two heads better than one and is talking out of two mouths easier than talking out of both sides of one mouth. <laughs> well, at least I got the shark tossed back in the water. <laughs> That's good. I, I actually yeah. saw a picture of it and it's strange to, strange to see. I'm sure. Well, let's yeah, see. Yeah, heads. Think Did we the have space in both directions? Or could, they, <laughs> uh, could they be? Could they be double crosses? One head facing north, and the other face. That would be that would south. be interesting. Now they were both yeah. uh, facing a little left and right of front. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> the local government of Wareham, a town in southern Massachusetts, Plymouth County, has asked locals to please stop calling the police about a big blobby fish that had been spotted minding its own business in coastal waters. The fish, a whopper of a creature that has attracted dozens of emergency calls since Monday from locals mistaking it for a shark or a seal, according to the Cape Cod Times, is an ocean sunfish, formerly known by the genus name Mola. The uh, ocean sunfish can grow to nearly 10 feet. Um, mm. weighing in at more than a stunning 4,400 pounds. Sightings of the monstrously sized swimmer began popping up in Wareham's Broad Cove with enough locals calling 911 to eventually warrant personnel from the Wareham Department of Natural Resources to take a look. Their verdict, as reported on Facebook, the sunfish is doing normal sunfish activities. It's swimming. It's uh, not stranded or suffering. The sunfish is fine. And then in all caps, please stop calling the police department about this sunfish. Uh, Carol Carson, president of the New England Coastal Wildlife Alliance, told the Cape Cod Times that sunfish sightings happen every fall and that the big swimmers are generally gentle giants, except for their tendency to spit at people when bothered. <laughs> Do fish stories uh, in coastal towns always feature really big fish? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, those yeah, are the bullies. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Well, that wraps it up for today's edition of Armchair Politics, and I want to thank uh, all of you, Paul uh, Rosicki, Henry Hatter, our roundtable regulars, and it's always fun when we have you, Woodrow. Tom, can I have a last minute here? Very, very, very quickly. Uh, um, you know, Woodrow, when I was talking about the. Um, uh, uh, the situation over on uh, Lee Street and between Industrial and, and um, North Street. I, now, I, it was interesting to watch your reactions on that. But I talked to the people for 25 years at the school district and at the um, Republican Party 
about the coming 2050 paradigm shift. And right. I think that that is more scary to them than talking about the situation down on Lee Street. They've never been second best guys. And so you see a lot of reactions. I see many of the people, like I said, talk on shows, uh, that are asleep. They don't look at what's going on and what's likely to go on and what's going to impact our lives 10 years down the road. But I've been for 25 years I've been talking about this. Okay, well, thanks, Henry, and okay, thanks thank to you. everybody. Thank we got to wrap it up there. But uh, thanks again, thank Woodrow. Enjoyed it, man, always. Take care, Wood. Take care, Henry. Okay, bye-bye. Bye, Wood. All right, now. In the hustle of today, we're all inclined to miss little things that mean so much. A word, a smile, a kiss. When a woman loves a man, he's a hero in her eyes. And a hero he can always be, if you'll just realize. She may be weary. Women do get weary. Wearing the same shabby dress. And when she's weary, try a little tenderness. You know she's waiting. Just anticipating things she may never possess. While she's without them, try a little tenderness. It's not just sentimental. She has her grief and care. And a word that's soft and gentle makes it easier to bear. You won't regret it. Women don't forget it. Love is their whole happiness. It's all so easy. Try a little tenderness.
That wraps it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. Thanks to the crew from Armchair Politics, our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left, Henry Hatter on the right, joined by Politico Emeritus Woodrow Stanley. I also want to say thanks to uh, my guest in the first hour, Seth Maskett, author of Learning from Lost, the Democrats 2016 to 2020. Anyway, uh, that's Smoking George Winners. Time for me to head uh, down the hall. Good night, everybody. The program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.